Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Samantani Godbol. Samantani is the Executive Vice President and Chief Information Officer of Lowe's Companies, a nearly $75 billion revenue home improvement retailer. She's held that role for nearly three and a half years, and in it, she's responsible for leading innovation, product, engineering, data, technology operations, and security globally for the company. I look forward to covering all the above in our interview today. Samantani, welcome to Technovation. It's wonderful to speak with you again. It's so great to be here, Peter. Um, I'm really looking forward to this opportunity to speak with you and the whole audience. Thank you so much. I, I'm, I'm so pleased to do so as well. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Cisco, and the company's chief information officer, Jackie Gushalar. As we enter a time of hybrid work environments, Jackie wanted to take a moment to share how companies can stay ahead of this emerging trend and make informed decisions on the future of work. Jackie, over to you. Hi, this is Jackie Guchla, SVP and CIO of Cisco. Today, we're at a unique time in history with the ability to redefine work. Work is no longer where you go, it's what you do and how you do it. And it is powered by the convergence of people, technology and places. It's permanently reshaping expectations of both employees and employers alike. To navigate this changing landscape, Cisco's Hybrid Work Index can help you make informed decisions by providing global insights on people's preferences, habits, and technology use in the era of hybrid work. It's based on millions of global data points and insights to help you win the war for talent, accelerate your innovation, and enhance business safety and security. Search Cisco Hybrid Work Index to learn more. Thanks, Jackie. And now on to our broadcast. Well, let's begin with uh, your your role. You are the Executive Vice President and Chief Information Officer uh, of Lowe's, and you have been in role for uh, since November of uh, 2018, so a little more than three years now. And as CIO, I know from our conversations, you have a rather expansive purview, perhaps uh, a bit broader than the average Chief Information Officer. And I wonder if you could take a moment and describe the various parts of the organization that report through to you and the logic in putting those various parts together. Absolutely. And, um, you know, Peter, I uh, the, before even I answer that question, I'll just tell you, I absolutely love my job. And every day when I come in the morning to work, um, I'm so excited uh, about everything we can do. And I think the job involves, uh, you know, bringing technology to every aspect of our loose business across our end customers, our associates, um, you know, our vendor partners, our pro customers. And the way it is structured is, you, you know, there is technology for our physical location. So all our stores are more than 1,800 stores in the U.S. Um, you, you know, it also brings supply chain into the picture because we do a lot of supply chain technology as well. Uh, you know, merchandising, because merchandising is lifeblood for uh, retail. And that is all, uh, let's say, more associate-facing technology. It lets us do business in our locations. Um, you know, our sales that are flowing through the stores, they are all managed through these systems and our associates are using these products day in and day out to sell to our customers. But on the other hand, then, we are also directly managing the technology for our end users or our customers, so such as Lowe's.com, the Lowe's iOS and Android app, um, and all those experiences that we are enabling online. And then there is so, so product and engineering for all these products. 
but then we also have data because data again is the lifeblood of business and what we are doing is that we have a data organization which has created something called as a data platform and but then there are also data products so we we have a data platform and then we deploy uh, data products such as there could be an ai model there could be a dashboard um, that's all deployed on uh, data platform and then lastly we have innovation as part of technology and you know marvin recognized from the very beginning that innovation is going to give us that leapfrog that edge uh, when it comes to bringing customer experiences so we are always using technology to bring more innovation to our customers that's great the marvin you're referring to of course is marvin ellison the chief executive officer of lowes that's great well thank you for that overview really interesting to think about the various ways uh in which the parts and pieces fit together and the advantages of doing so i want to delve a little bit further into data if you will and the development of data platforms data products you refer to uh um and make i think in a compelling case that data is the lifeblood of the business um, you know, as somebody who's a seasoned IT uh, executive now from across multiple retailers, for example, um, talk a bit about the evolution of that. Uh, you know, there's always been data, of course, uh, but the ability to harness it in creative ways and to develop insights and to move business more quickly in the right direction and to have more compelling uh, experiences for customers as a result of reading the tea leaves associated with the data that's provided by them uh, uh, and for them. Talk a bit about that evolution, if you will, and, and what excites you as you think about the further development of, of data products for the organization. Yeah, and you know, Peter, I'm old enough where I've seen those days where you know, data existed in very fragmented spaces. And what I mean by that is there used to be these, what we called as source systems. So your POS, your registers, your, uh, let's say even Lowe's.com uh, websites. And they used to create these uh, streams of data. Your data would get pumped into a warehouse or a data lake somewhere. And these two subsystems were then completely disconnected. They didn't have any connection back and forth with each other. You did all the creation of the data in the source system in one hemisphere, let's say. And in the other hemisphere, you had this data all collected in data lakes and somebody else, completely different personas and user groups we're doing some analysis on that data. And now, you know, so that disconnected world, the, the, the flow of data, the SLAs around it, how often would, we, would it come? When would it be available? There was a lot of difference. I mean, talking about hours before data is available was really normal, even days. Like, it, it was accepted and it was okay. Um, and like I said, I, I'm old enough to talk about uh, things like that. And now I think we are in we are in a completely uh, different uh, life cycle and different um, we have a completely different perspective. So, for example, uh, these two hemispheres now are completely connected, and in fact, we have created virtuous cycles at Lowe's uh, on on top of this. And what I mean by that is that the data is created; it flows uh, instantaneously, real time into the data lake. But then there are AI models which are sitting on top of the data lake which are kind of uh, drawing conclusions, insights, um, you know, whether it's a recommendation, whether it's for search, um, you know, whether it's for kind of localization and assortment planning, whether it is for things such as workforce optimization, like who should be in the store at what time to help our customers. Um, and there are, you know, we are looking at hour by hour sales and we are saying, well, 
on a Wednesday between 12 to 4, we really need electricians in the stores helping out uh, customers because that time the queries around um, the, you know, electric electrician related projects are highest. And so we are making sure that our staff is in the right place at the right, right time to help the customers. And so these AI models then, then they are running, generating insights, feeding it back to the products. So if I were a associate in the store, if I were a store manager, I get to see my schedule and I'm able to change it. I'm able to get insights. I'm able to get a recommendation as to what is the optimum schedule. And this virtuous cycle about data is being created. Immediately, there is model running, which is driving inside, feeding it back to the product, which, by the way, might have generated the data to begin with. I think that virtuous cycle is what we are driving at Lowe's. It's interesting, uh, Samanti. Thank you so much for for that overview. Um, I I, I want to also talk a bit about the significant change you and your team have helped marshal in uh, through the time of the pandemic. You know, the the at least the five year high for uh, for your stock, uh, if I've got my my data correctly, was around mid February 2020, and the stock roughly halved, if I can use that at least as one of the metrics, an obvious one to determine how the market was feeling about lows. It halved in in just about a month's time in 2020, like so many companies, of course. And now you are more than double the price of that February high, uh, at least as we're doing this recording now. There have been a tremendous number number of pivots that have been remarkably successful. But I, I can only imagine, a, a, number one, a portion of that is based upon the hard work you had done, obviously not planning for, for a pandemic, but, but allowing for some nimbleness Given the fact that you don't, you do not control the business cycles. You do not control uh, where, when, when, and where opportunities or even issues present themselves. And so, reorienting perhaps in the early stages of your time with Lowe's, the organization to become a bit more nimble. And I'd love to talk a little bit about some of that, the pre-pandemic work that paid off tremendously during the course of it. And then perhaps we can move on after that to some of the specifics of exciting ideas you you and the team have introduced since then. Can you talk a bit about just take a moment, if you would, to talk about some of the 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 what you put in place. Uh, you know, in the early days of your tenure, uh, a bit more than three years ago, that fostered some of that resilience and nimbleness during the course of the very trying times of uh, the early portion of 2020. Absolutely. And, and Peter, he, you know, it becomes really important because you, you are right. I mean, we had done uh, quite a bit of work as pandemic hit us. And I think that was key in order to make sure that we are going to sail through the pandemic, helping our customers, really making sure that they are being supported. And, you know, Marvin Ellison's vision was always that he wanted technology to be the differentiator for Lowe's. He said, great retailers have one thing in common, and that is they all have great technology. And of course, um, you you know, that was a vision we wanted to um, work upon. And I think some of the things we did was, uh, Peter, I could broadly classify them on three different uh, fronts from a transformation perspective. We wanted to make sure that uh, you know we have the right talent. So we we had lots of existing folks at uh, Lowe's who were ex- instrumental in driving uh, the transformation. And we also made sure uh, you know that we have hired um, you know more than thousand people for the last three years every year. Um, and in this market and in this particular uh, times when the need is so high, we have been successful in hiring and attracting lots of talent. So I think that definitely helped. So team was uh, foundational. The other thing we did was how we worked 
was also important. And that was all about just making sure that we have these product teams in place and uh, what we call it as, um, you know, you have heard this before, but the two pizza teams on a particular product and just making sure that there is really the, um, you know, the product manager, the engineers, the UX folks, and then, you know, data experts all kind of in those couple of scrum teams working on a particular product and going as fast as they can, taking decisions in real time, doing a daily stand-up. So how we work was very important. So the operating model. And then the third thing that was really important is the architecture, because you need to have an architecture created in such a way that you can be really nimble and you can move fast. So going back to that, hey, can we we do a microservices architecture while we have all this legacy and there are lots of very interesting patterns as to how we implement it so that we did not disrupt the business in any shape or form but at the same time we kept modernizing and making sure that our business uh, continues to serve our customers and associates in a very successful manner and then peter the one last thing i'll say is when pandemic hit us initially none of us know knew that is it a two-week thing? Is it a two-month thing? And now, you know, we are sitting here and it's been a two-year thing. Forget about two weeks. Uh, but we did not really know as to what exactly is going to be the extent of the pandemic. And there was some conversation about, hey, should we take a little bit of a pause? Like we are doing just a high-speed transformation. And, you know, we are all going to work from home for at least the next couple of weeks. And should we kind of slow down? Should we freeze production changes? And I remember this one meeting where we were all talking about, hey, what should we do for next couple of weeks? And we we were drawing on the board. This was one of our last meetings, I think, before we dispersed to work from home. And we said, no, we should not. We should not stop. We should definitely not slow down. In fact, we should go faster. And that's what we did. We said, we, you know, this is the time to double down and actually go faster. And we did that. And I'm so glad we did that because it really paid off in just making sure that our transformation continued and actually gained strength through pandemic. That's really great. And one of the trends, of course, that accelerated was this trend towards mobile and e-commerce. And and I know that um, as your own evolution, uh, that you you led some really pioneering thinking re- related to spatial commerce. And I wonder if you can, first of all, uh, define the term for those who might be less familiar with it and talk about the the form that t- that took, obviously very relevant to the business that Lowe's is in, though, again, for, for the uninitiated, perhaps the connection point may not be as clear. Uh, paint that picture for us, if you would. Yes. And Peter, one of the things that very early on I was appreciating about our Lowe's, our home improvement business, is home improvement is actually quite complex compared to, let's say, a mass retailing. Because here, if you think about it, um, you know, projects are quite long duration and they go all the way from kind of generating a lead for the customer all the way to the installation business. So it, it really is a whole um, cycle. Um, And what happens is when you have this whole cycle, you want to make sure that you're supporting the customers throughout the whole cycle. Uh, The other thing is, you know, these are complex and big decisions. I mean, when you are redoing your kitchen, it's almost like the whole family is involved, uh, you, you know, and then you want to get updates, you want support from the content perspective, you want to make sure that um, things are being done when they are supposed to be done. So I feel like just given the size of the transaction, the number of touch points, um, you know, the complexity, 
I feel that I always uh, appreciated that this business is very different. And we just wanted to make sure we are unleashing solutions that are really going to help our customers. And so one of the things that we always thought about taking away friction, and we said that, you know, we came up with this term spatial commerce, because Peter, what we are thinking is that when you are doing a project such as I want to change the flooring of this room, you want to make sure that you are taking into account the dimensions of the room, you're able to measure it, you're able to get a, an, a good clear and accurate estimate of how much tile are you going to need. Uh, if you were a DIY, there are lots of people who have lots of skills and they may just do it on their own. And then there are others who may need services. And throughout this, we wanted to make sure that we are taking care of the space you are in. We are helping you measure that estimated and help you through the transactions. Frankly, the actual buying, we wanted that to be the smallest part that should happen really fast. It should be really convenient. But the initial part of imagining, measuring, uh, inspiring you is what we feel is all the fun part. And we really want our customers to enjoy it. That's the part we are calling it as spatial commerce. And just to give you an example, let's say I wanted to change the tiles in this room. Um, you know, my, my first question is how much it's going to cost me? And, um, you, you know, how much material do I need? And as you can see, Peter, I'm in this room right now and there are tables and chairs and stuff like that. I'm not going to move all this just to measure it in my busy life. That's friction. And so we were kind of like, okay, this, this is a friction point for our customers and how do we solve it? And then Peter, as the technology and devices, everything comes together, then our innovation team gets the fuel of, okay, this is how we solve this problem. And one of the things we observed is with iPhone 12 Pro, um, a technology called LiDAR was coming into iPhones. And this is really basically a depth perception technology and iPhones camera and the rest of the technology works in concert to give you that depth perception. I mean, this technology is used in like self-driving cars. I mean, there are many places where this is applied. But now the phenomenal thing is iPhone 12 Pro and then iPhone 13, every iPhone 13, you are going to have this LiDAR technology in your hands as a consumer. And so what we came up with, our innovation team, is they came up with an experience where you simply hold your phone in your hands, Peter, and the app, it is completely integrated in our Lowe's app. It'll give you directions as to how to move about the room. There are some experiences we have um, nicely integrated where it guides you. It tell, shows you the arrows to how to move around the room. There is a little bit of a gamification you collect Lowe's coins with a Lowe's cable. So you know you're doing it right because it's those um, coins are serving as markers. So you move around the room. The whole process takes just a couple of minutes. And the, the capture happens. And inside the app, it draws you a floor map and gives you an opportunity to correct the floor map if needed. But that floor map is the map that gives you the measurements. It tells you how much material you're going to need it. You can add it to the card, buy it. And then, Peter, that is your floor map to keep. I mean, today it's tile changing. Tomorrow it could be painting the walls. And now you know you've measured your room in those couple of minutes and you have it for yourself. And what we feel is this is the way we want to take out more and more friction out of our customer's life. 
I feel like we want to keep the fun parts in and take the friction out. That's a great, really great uh, uh, way to frame that, Samantani. And what a what a compelling example that is. And I wonder if you could take a moment. Uh, it, there are several things in your response that that highlight the way in which rising technology, uh, t- technology on the rise, being used in a variety of different areas, as you point out, LiDAR, uh, uh, becoming available in a mass scale through iPhones and iPads, for instance, all of a sudden made this possible. Without the kind of universality of that, then it, then this is all theoretical. But but if it's in something that's in a, a good percentage of your customers or would-be customers' hands, all of a sudden this becomes more realistic. How do you and your team do some of that puzzle piece um, uh, fit, fitting uh, uh, as you go through your own kind of innovation activities? How do you go about the uh, understanding, of course, needs and and creative ideas that the uh, company might might bring to life for customers, while also testing you know a variety of different technologies that represent trends on the rise to see where there's a fit or where there might not be. Yeah, and Peter, really, that's that's I feel like it's a three pronged approach. You are absolutely right because what you have to do is you have to keep an eye on the marketplace and technology trends and say what devices, what technologies, what what's emerging out there, and you, you know you really have to keep an eye on that because some problems suddenly become solvable uh, as, as soon as the technology comes out. The other thing we are keeping a keen eye on is the customer herself or himself because we are also you know that needs extreme empathy to say how are people doing their home improvement projects uh, what are the friction points what is it that kind of um, delights them and what is it that frustrates them right so there is this whole lens about what are customers trying to solve and one of the things during pandemic was um, you know some of the efforts we did around lockers curbside pickup i mean this was all about hey, customers really want to have this choice now, whether they want to come inside the store or want to wait in the parking lot. I mean, this that was the whole um, you know, research that, hey, what do customers want right now? And, and in the future, I mean, as millennials, so Peter, I'll give you another example. As more and more millennials buy, um, get into home ownership, right? These are digitally native. They are used to doing things one way. And now they are actually, we are as we watch them, it, it, there are a lot of interesting things happening because their needs could be quite different than a person like me who did not grow up digitally native. And I, I could take a tape measure and measure it, but you know the millennials idea of measuring could be quite different. Now, the third thing is you also have to look at your own business strategy for every company and just say, what do what is our business strategy? What is our aspiration? What do we really uh, want to do from our strategic lens perspective? And you have to bring all that together and say, what is the customer pain point or what are their aspirations? Put them in the middle. What what are our business aspirations? And then what's happening in the marketplace from a technology trend perspective? And then where is this intersection and could we solve some really interesting problems? I, li- I like the way that you frame that, uh, Samantani. Very compelling and very interesting stories you tell in terms of the way in which you brought that to life as well. Uh, no doubt this this uh, this exemplifies where business is going as opposed to where it's been. And so reorienting your team uh, to be aware of uh, these these changes, these shifts in behaviors, especially of the, with the rising generations that are only going to become more relevant, uh, important to do that dot connecting to make sure that you're on top of those 
those trends and and tastes uh, and, and means of interaction uh, that your customers will 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 be craving, and making sure that you you have a means of of, of meeting that demand uh, as it as it uh, continues to to unfold. But Samantini uh, Godbull, thank you so much for taking time with me today. Um, what a fascinating set of of a fascinating conversation about the remarkable work you and your team are doing and, and fostering tremendous nimbleness and resilience during trying times uh, to, to, to maintain a tremendous uh, position of leadership uh, in the industry for Lowe's. Thank you for, for a great conversation. Thank you, Peter. Great talking to you.